In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the clash against Barcelona, the win against Salernitana, we'll be previewing the game against Fiorentina, all of this with Mina Azuki, this week's Morji Moratti and Frog, and much, much more, everything here on Studio Inter, on EnsempreInter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Dimatuala Iruzzari, wishing you back to a pod where we are very happy. We are all Mr. Positivity, I think. We're all Mohamed Nassar. But before we get to all of that, let me begin by introducing my panelists. He writes a weekly column called What We Learned, Five Things We Learned from Inter This Week. Mr. Jake Smalley, how are you? Hello, I'm really well, thank you. It's really good to be back uh, discussing all things into as well this week. So in a, in a positive manner as well for a change. Last time I was really negative, so good to be back <laughs> with positive things. That's good. And we're also joined by our very good friend, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. You, you're no longer Mr. Positivity all on your own, I have a feeling. I think there's going to be lots of positivity this episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we were uh, dragged over the coals for the first few weeks of the season. So I think uh, a bit of positivity is overdue for all in Tiristi everywhere. So yeah, happy to to be on and uh, looking forward to discussing things in a brighter sort of perspective. And there is quite a bit to be bright, uh, to be happy and positive about. And that's why it's so good to have our next guest on. She's a really good friend of the show. She has her own podcast called The City Are Chronicle together with our good friend Nikki Bandini. You can see her on Sky Sport, Bet US. Uh, ESPN, BBC, pretty much everywhere where there's English-speaking football c- c- coverage. Welcome, Mr. Mina and Mrs. Miss Mina Azuki. <laughs> really screwed that one up, didn't I? It's good. It's a good thing we're friends. <laughs> That's what I was gonna it say. really is. Otherwise, I'd be like, you're not coming back on here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. How are you, Mina? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm I'm good. Well, I'm as good as can be, considering where my club is. But that's not what we're talking about. Today, so. <laughs> Well, I mean, your club did win the derby, and it was actually a good performance. Um, but well, yeah, then, I mean, come on! <laughs> <laughs> but it was. I don't. I mean, Juric is a hell. We we saw Inter when we played him when we were out of form. I mean, that's that's that, that was, it was horrible. He, he he knows how to completely like just, just turn life into hell. You played better against them away than we did against them at home. I'll put you that. I'll tell you that much. Well, we did manage our first away win of the season, so that's saying something. But. Uh... Yeah. You definitely turned your crisis around, that's for sure. Well, let's start talking about that, because I'm not entirely convinced the crisis is over. Um, because I think I think they're, way, they're starting to get out of it, but I don't think it's really over yet, because they haven't qualified yet from the Champions League group. They're still not in, even, you know, they're eight points off Napoli. They have a chance if, Nap- if Roma this weekend takes points off Napoli to, to eat in some of those eight points. Um, so I want to I want to talk about that that Barcelona game because it was insane, um, and I, and I couldn't help but feel annoyed that Inter didn't win that game. And and like my immediate reaction after the game was, it felt like I felt a little bit deflated um, because really? I felt like yeah I felt Inter did more than enough to win that game and and they didn't and they're scoring three points three goals away from home and still not winning. But I mean, of course, now with a few days, you know, distance, almost a week's distance to it, I'm very happy because, well, in a week's time from now, in 10 days now, time, 10 days time from now, Inter could secure a spot in the next round of the Champions League by simply beating Victoria Pilsen at home in front of 70, 75,000 people, which they really should be doing. And if they're not winning that game, they have no business in the second round to, to, to begin with. But I, I want to start at that game. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, do you think Inter? Um, I mean, do you think I'm justified in feeling a little bit deflated, feeling fe- that I felt a little bit deflated immediately after the game, or do you think that nah, you're just being too greedy? No, I think that I can understand why you wanted more, considering um, the level of defence in that game. Probably, you know, I think both of you should have expected a little bit more, um, <laughs> maybe not conceding so many goals. Obviously, we look at the fact that Aslani had the world's best opportunity to really mm. go for the win, but it's a shame that it fell to a youngster. And I and I really don't want to put any pressure on him or anything like that because the, you learn from these experiences. Um, I I think that when the draw was made 
And considering how much money Barcelona had spent, you know, activating every lever possible financially in order to <laughs> afford this team. And, and then seeing how they started performing. Like, I still thought they were pretty rubbish because I don't trust Xavi. And everyone told me that I was insane. And I remember having these conversations with people from La Liga. And they were like, no, you're crazy. Like, they're amazing, you know. And it's true. They were winning all their matches, even if they didn't win their first one. And it was just, you know, this high intensity, high tempo. Lewandowski obviously has gone off to this great start. But you are lucky in the sense that Akanji and Jules Kunde weren't there, which made their defence that much worse. But I think they would have still played better if they had a coach who actually understood how to change and adapt according to what the team he has. But he has to play his way. And if it means he doesn't have the team for it, he doesn't care. And that's why you win. I know that seems like I'm focusing more on Barcelona because at the end of the day, it's very hard for you. Watching you on the ball, it's not great. Like Inter on like as and I, I did feel like playing out from the back, there were a lot of mistakes made, and those were the chances that Barcelona created to go forward. It was all on the back of your mistakes. Um, I keep saying mm-hmm. you're like your Inter, <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> like it was the, on the back of Inter's mistakes. But the the fact is, is that Inzaghi understood that, and he played with a lot of courage. And it was a case of you know, I'm not gonna do what I've done zero so far which is show you my fear and and like you know oh, I'm playing Lazio let's put in Gagliardini because they're a physical side you know no he went with okay let's let's try to do this let's try to take this on board and I think that I have enough um, of what it takes to get at least a draw here and obviously the, the the fact of the matter is is that he's appealing to the team on a psychological level because the second half you were even better and and I and I already thought that you were good in the first half. It was just a really ramped up stadium, and even ramped up, not allowed to wear your colours. You know, not all of this, just just so Barcelona could win against Inter. No one thought that you would do it. There's not a single newspaper or mm. pundit that thought for a second that it would be Inter with Bayern, Bayern that would get out of the group. Everyone thought it was Barcelona. So in in considering you got four points, and I know you want six, and I don't blame you considering how the games went. But I would be pretty happy. Mm, that's a good point. Um, Simon Inzaghi has been very criticised because he and and quite rightly so because the, the Inter were really poor and looked completely disjointed in the beginning of the season. But the, 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 this this new Inter that we're seeing under Simon Inzaghi, he's playing much more deeper, much more compact. It seems like he's adapted the the tactics to the players he's got, and I'm thinking, well. And 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 when you take into consideration that Denzel Dumfries is good at many things, um, but he's not very technically gifted, he's a player that likes to attack the space, and that mm. reminds me of a certain Romelu Lukaku as well, and Robin Gosens on the other wing. I think you know that that to me suggests that Simon Inzaghi is not is much more pragmatic. Um, than than people giving credit for because this side because this is not the same I mean, this is not how they played last season do you think that that was just more kind of him going back to basics to to shore up the defense or do you think that he's kind of do you think that this is how Inter will play from now on given that this is the play these other players they have well you see that's the interesting bit because I don't think we're going to know yet um obviously because Lukaku isn't playing right now and because Brozovic is not available. I feel like he's adapted his squad, like you said, you know, to the what he has available. It's really strange, actually, because I wouldn't have thought Inzaghi is that pragmatic. And I certainly didn't think Gasparini was, you know. Like, mm. it was always like, I'm always going to play my way. And then all of a sudden, you see this defense of Atalanta. And I was like, wait, wait a second, what, what's going on here, you know? Um, it is the superpower of Serie A, is that the ability to, you know, to change according to what you have. I think we'll see a little bit more of what happens um, as the as Lukaku really becomes integrated within the side, whether or not they're going to continue playing this way. I think one of the reasons why he likes DeMarco is because he can sort of shift formations with him there, whether he can turn him into something more of an attacking player or keep defense, um, keep it more of a low, lower defense and let him just, you know, run into wide space like uh, Dumfries. Again, both of them not very good on the ball, right? Um mm-hmm. And also you've lost Perisic, which is huge. So I, I feel like that really has to shift the way that you change the way that the game is played. And um, 
And, and I do think Lukaku is not someone in which you can play necessarily the Inzaghi way that you did last season. I think it has to move because his brilliance is in short accelerations, you know, and, and, and quickly get to the top. And, and he has all that power and strength. And Antonio Pintus spoke about that, which is why he never understood why Tuchel wanted him, because it just never made sense for him. Um, but at the end of the day, I still look at you and think of you as being as Inter as being the most tactically sophisticated and most complete squad other than Napoli right now. Because when I see Milan, I think of it as being kamikaze chaos that sort of works because they play with heart and like a good coach that can just adjust quite quickly. But they're not a sophisticated side. I mean, the gaps at the back, no one reads the game or the spaces very well. There definitely needs to be a body in midfield that's in addition to Ben Esser and Tonali. And it can't be crooned. <laughs> it's, got, it's got to be something more, you know. And so when I look across everything else right now, I think that you you have the best shot. So Inzaghi really does have to pull it together because he has enough, to be honest with you. I'm going to hand you over to Jake now. Jake, did you have a question for Mina? Then, uh, then please ask away. Uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> well, since the, the title's out of the question, possibly. And so Why? The out of the question, possibly. For Juventus, I wasn't talking about Inter. I think Inter could still win the league. Okay. I'll win the Champions League. I'll win the Coppa Italia. I'll win the Champions League. That's what I thought. No, I did want to ask... Uh, from, what what sort of season do you see Juventus having? What will be a successful season? Do you think? Okay, do you think it's crazy that I still think we're in with a shot of winning the title? <laughs> yes, I don't okay. think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I I have these I have these conversations with Carlo on on the pod as well, and 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 I and and he he literally thinks I'm in I'm stark bark raving mad. Like he, he thinks, but like, you agree, what, right? In what galaxy? He's like, in what? Like he's like, how will Allegri? I'm like, well, the thing is, like, it wouldn't. And I'll tell you why. It's for me anyway. It's because this World Cup, giving a two, one and a half, almost two month break, that is mm. bad for teams in good momentum. Remember Simone Inzaghi's Lazio during COVID. Exactly. You know, it's it, it can really disrupt you, and and it gives Juve, if Juve continue with Allegri, it gives them another preseason to to, to fix everything. So, with his says. Um, Sorry? With Pogba and Keza, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know, but I still, it's really funny. So my best friend works for Real Madrid, yeah. And we grew up together. Um, and so, obviously, I have a lot of insight into La Liga and he has a lot of insight into Serie A as well. And um, <laughs> we... He complains all the time about Juventus' decision to keep Allegri. Even though he really likes Allegri, he just thinks it's the wrong decision for Juventus. Yeah. And so we're having a discussion and he was telling me about how, how worried he was about the Classico. And I was like, what are you talking about? Of course you're going to win against Barcelona. Like, this is going to be the easiest game ever. Like, look at where you are and look where they're on. And he said to me about Juventus and Allegri. And he goes, I mean, you'll still win the league. I was like, oh, so you still believe so? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course you'll win the league. <laughs> <laughs> and and despite how bad they are, it's remarkable to think how many people still think they're in a chance. Now, here it is. It's not because they're so poor, but because Serie A is. Mm. And I don't understand. Like, this year, I can honestly tell you, barring Napoli, the quality is really low. And and I'm somebody who is supposed to be out there being like, it's the best league, you know, like you can take your Premier League and shove it up your whatever, you know, like, this <laughs> is Serie A. And then I think about it and I'm thinking... Okay, I can't honestly like I've I've watched all of them play now, and I can honestly tell you like it's it's not great. Like you know, I I don't watch Inter and think to my oh this is a team that could really like could do some damage. You know, I don't mm. see Milan as being able to do any damage to a team with any tactical sophistication. You know, so mm. barring Napoli, if they don't win the title, and the only thing that stands over them is not their ability or or technique obviously it's always their mental fortitude and I think this time around they've actually that's not a, a question anymore because of the fact that they got rid of some of those like players perhaps who have gotten too comfortable which we thought was going to be even worse for them but actually it's showing to have an opposite effect you know um but I, I say this because it's a very weird year because of course there is the ability to, to have this break for the World Cup and I don't know what's going to happen next time round. 
I really don't. Um, it's like you said, when it comes to momentum, I feel like Napoli will still have enough to keep going, whether or not they win it, it remains to be seen. But really, it should be Inter. Right now, that to me, they're the best team in Serie A, other than Napoli. And But the only thing is, again, they are a team that can win dirty. And I just... I still think of Napoli Lecce and I think, oh, will they will they start conceding these types of, you know, goals and, and drawing these types of games going forward? But otherwise it's it's a really poor league. And the fact of the matter is is that Juventus could start this badly and actually end up somewhere close to the top if they if they gather momentum because their players are still very good. They still have players that can resolve uh, games at the at the end. It's just whether or not Allegri has ruined them or the club has ruined them enough, you know. Because Nedved has totally ruined Moise Keane. Um, Vlaovic looked like he had a certain good attitude in the last game. But otherwise, I certainly don't think that he's a, a player that I would really enjoy watching. I think he's a very good striker. But he's not the kind of striker that I particularly like on my team. But he's, you know, he's working on it. Um, Kostic, again, I think it explains to you sometimes his decisions with delivering crosses. It explains why he's at Eintracht Frankfurt and not Bayern, you know. Mm. it's like he will just force the issue come hell or high water. It's like, dude, maybe don't cross right now, you know? Maybe just you hold mean, you, you mean like like a certain Candreva I used to do, like we were doing Spalletti, crosses and inshallah, like we used to yeah, it's that, Yeah, it's like, you know, like, I'm just going to deliver, you know, like whatever happens. It, do you remember Antonini in Milan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah crosses, well, crosses and inshallah. It's, it's and inshallah, let's, let's hope, you know, whether or not you're surrounded by defenders, whether or not, like, you know, it's just, it's kind of... <laughs> There is a lack of an IQ in some of these players. And, and Allegri is used to playing with players that are like the older ones. Him and Mourinho like the older ones, like the experienced ones, because he doesn't feel like he needs to train them very hard. He doesn't need to tell Milik to stay closer to midfield or, or provide for Vlaovic. He gets the message as soon as he gets onto the pitch. But he does need to tell all the others what to do, and he's not very good at that. That's not his power. And I think that's where the disconnect is. I still think he's a brilliant coach. I don't think he's brilliant for this team, and that's the problem. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly where I am with this as well, yeah. and I think that uh, uh, that's why I think that unless if if Juve don't win their next three games in the league, um, I think when we reach the World Cup break, I think they will they'll have a look at this and they say, okay, uh, do you want to continue or not? And I think they'll do the the the, the classic Juve. Well, I'm going to resign for the best of Juve, and then they'll bring someone else in. But if they feel that they still got a chance, that there's actually something salvageable, that he hasn't lost a dressing room, then I don't think he will. You know, then I don't think. Then I think he'll stay. Uh, I think. I think that's. And there's also a lot of prestige involved. There's Andre Agnelli as well, because I mean, he put a lot of prestige into Anya, into Allegri. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a tricky situation for sure. Also, because of of I know this sounds weird, because there is a Super League going on, and so there yeah, is exactly. And it is the whole conversation. So, I mean, right now, Real Madrid are embarrassed by Barcelona and Juventus, you know. But there is a reason that Perez wanted Allegri. It's not like he's a bad coach. And and, and, and the question of the matter is right now is that Agnelli wants to make it look like a success for his own pride, you know. And because he thinks he did him dirty before. So yeah. he feels like there's a guilt on, on his behalf and there's a desire to say, I didn't make a mistake. So that's why I think he's also going to stick with him. Mm, probably. Mo, did you have a question for Mina? Then the floor is yours. God, Fiorentina conceded again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I really know. bad. God. Absolute mess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I know this is a studio inter, but it's... Uh, not usual that we get a, a, a Juve uh, uh, following guest, a Juve supporting guest, and one as spoken as frank as you are, um, you know. So uh, I'll ask about Juve as well because you know clearly, like like uh, Nima says, you know, the the old timers. We don't think that Juve uh, are are out of it just yet. We know exactly what could happen <laughs> in this hot season. So my my main question to you is, what do you reckon? the Pogba effect is going to be because we now keep hearing all these uh, reports. I don't know who moved into his house in Manchester and how, how his house is decorated uh, ridiculously with PPs everywhere, uh, like his initials <laughs> everywhere. Like, I, I, I don't know if the guy lost lost the plot. Uh, it was too much for him mentally, this big move back to Manchester uh, since leaving Turin uh, a few years ago. What, what, what do you really think the impact of Pogba will be on the squad? Is it 
Are you looking forward to his return? Are you apprehensive? Do you think that, uh, you know, where would you stand on that? <laughs> I wish I can tell you I'm more excited because I think that his appearance back in midfield is going to automatically elevate our gameplay, but I don't. Um, I was more excited for Di Maria to join at the time, even though I hated the fact that he was there for one year and it made it look like we were begging. And how attached are you going to be to a team in which you're only there for a year, you know? Um, listen, with Pogba, it's like he, it's like a weird love story. And you you sort of love the player more than, like, you love the man more than you love the player. And actually, his agent spoke about it. I don't know if you guys just read recently. There's just a, a bunch of, like, interviews about what um, she said. And uh, she talked about the fact that, you know, she had mentioned to Juventus management about bringing Pogba back and they're like yeah of course like whenever he wants and she said we'll do it now and so they did basically and every day apparently he called her being like is it done yet is it done yet am I a Juventus player yet but the problem is is that I I don't know whether he just something happened but I don't he and it started with an interview he did when he was really young. And they asked him what position he wanted to play. And he mentioned five different midfield positions. He's like, you know, I, I want to tackle like Kante. I want to I want to move like Seydorf. I want to control like Pirlo. And, and it was just, I'm, I'm just making up the names now. I don't remember what names he used at the time. But it was almost like he didn't know what he wanted to be. And he didn't know who he was. It was just, I needed to be really good. Um, and I get that. But there is like... If you speak to Kravatskhelian when he does an interview, he knows exactly who he is, exactly where he wants to be and exactly how he wants to play. The only thing that's unpredictable about him is his feet, you know, like otherwise it's like he has a clear game plan. I'm going to live by the training quarters. I don't care that Napoli is a beautiful place to be. This is where I want to play. I want to play out here. I will be flexible, but this is where I want to grow. I want to, you know, I want to be Ronaldo eventually. I want to go to Real Madrid. You, he has a clear idea. Pogba was kind of just wanted to be really good. And that was what worried me at the time, because on a mental level, it was fine when he didn't know who he was or what he wanted to be, because at the time Juventus had strong characters. So they could take care of him because it was veteran experience around him. Now he has to be the veteran. And I'm still not sure if he knows what he, he is. And I, and I don't know if he's resolved any of that questions because he spent most of his time injured or annoyed. At, at Manchester United <laughs> you know and I I do feel like you know there's this thing about like you know where the where English you know I guess English producers always or, or, or people involved in football will always say you know about the racism that exists in Europe and it does and I'm not trying to diminish that but I feel like they don't sometimes make it clear that it really exists in England too, you know, mm. and it is a huge problem. And it is a huge problem in the way that they explain things as well and where they tend to focus their headlines. And he was very unhappy for a reason, you know, not to mention the fact that Manchester United, this is another thing that's really important, like, and this doesn't get talked about enough. In Italy, coaches actually coach. And I mean, they take 20 minutes, an hour, two hours and sit with different players and give them different training routines and, and task things too. They teach, they teach, Pep Guardiola teaches, but do you think this guy was being taught at Manchester United? And this is the problem. Like right now, there's a, like, a lesson after training for just Vlaovic on his own, how to strike the ball off the volley. And it's actually on, a lot of them are on, on Gazetta's, um, the, the lead reporter on his, on his particular Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this is how you're going to kick the ball from a free, free kick. It's just different teachings, which he would get as well from the players who would stick around sometimes and have a chat with him or talk to him. And I don't think that he got enough of that at England, in England, and he needed that probably. But is he going to change everything? I don't think so, because I think the problem lies again in there's something rotten in the club. And I don't know how it can be fixed, but... It's a little bit weird that every year another three or four people that I know really well leave. Like the high turnover in personnel is also pretty. Like and now I don't know. I hardly know anyone at Juventus. I can't call in favors the way I used to, you know. And that's very strange when you look at the fact that Milan may have changed their head of PR or the guy that you speak to to get interviews. But pretty much the rest is the same, you know. Mm. And people are happy there. Whereas I think it makes a difference when... Nedved just always looks like he wants to punch someone, right? <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> well, well, he can start by punching himself. Yes, exactly. 
<laughs> no one knows what he does, and he says a lot of stupid things about what was it? Moise Ken could be a thirty goal season. Oh strike. my god! I'm so glad you remember that because every time I uh, see that, everyone's like, "No, he never said that." I'm like, "Yes, he did." Yeah, he did. He, he did. He absolutely did. I remember him saying that. Um, yeah, no, it's and then he didn't. I mean, from what we understand, he didn't want Allegri. The, the whole thing is a mess. Um, I, I think you were going to see. I think Andrea Agnelli, the cycle of Andrea Agnelli is going to come to an yeah. end. I think all of them are going to leave, and you need a new. new yeah, but they want Lapo Alcan and and uh, Del Piero, <laughs> and I'm like, guys, like these are the people that are going to. Oh dear, Lapo, yeah. <laughs> no, so... and Del Piero, by the way, who's most of the time his punditry is for sure. You know, it's difficult. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> this is not going to be the guy who's like, this is what we need to do. You know what I mean? We need. Like Maldini is a different kind of player, and not only that, he grew up in um, in Milan. His dad, you know, he's got Milan in through and through. He's, a, he's a, you know, you can see what the work that he and Ricky Massara have done. What they've done is, it's you now it speaks for itself. And I don't think Del Piero, I don't know. I, I think that it's, it's a risk. But I mean, I agree. At, at some point, you have to. I mean, the Andrea Agnelli era has been fantastic. It's it's a historic era. That what Juve did under him, the new stadium, the nine Scudetti. Berlusconi was wonderful. Once upon a time, brilliant too. But things end, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Inter now. Um, I wanted to because because since Brozovic, I mean, all the the crisis began when you know Inter started losing and then Brozovic was injured and then they got to play Barcelona twice. And since then, they've had Hakan Chalonoglu. Playing there, not Kistan Aslani, but Chalanoglu. And I think that he's been outstanding there. And mm. Oh my God, Nikki asked me this question if it's the same one. <laughs> what is it but like? Is this your new midfield? Well, that's the thing, though. I don't think, if you remember, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, because if you remember, when, when Inter won the Scudetto with Antonio Conte, it was when he got Perisic and Christian Eriksen to buy into into the football that he wanted them to play and he changed the balance of the team as well what that meant was that in Christian Eriksen, Barella and Brozovic he had three midfielders who could all do pretty much do do all jobs that a central midfielder today can do they could create they could defend they could run they could shoot they could cross I think that I don't think this is a problem I think with if Chalanoglu continues to play this well and they used to do the three of them used to do these positional shifts in games as well um, which meant that for example when Allegri used to put Dejan Kulusevski on Marcelo Brozovic and man mark him well that didn't matter because then Christian Eriksen used to drop deep and he'd be the creator um, I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking when given that Chalanoglu has been so good playing that deep when Brozovic returns, do you think maybe that this could be something that Simon Inzaghi could try and say, look, we'll, we'll just rotate in game between you, the three of you to see where you go? Who's the opponent? Well, I mean, the, the opponent being, well, let's, I mean, when you play Juve or Roma or Milan, etc. Here's the thing with Chananog. I don't know how much... As much as he has grown since since he left Milan, and as much as I think that he's so gifted as a footballer, I don't trust him. I don't trust that he's going to show up every week for me. That's the only thing that mm. I fear with him. Mm. Um, I trust Brozovic. I feel like no matter mm. how the game goes or whatever happens, or if like a bomb lands on his house, uh, you know, like God forbid, he will always show up and give his best. And I I just don't know whether you will necessarily get that with Chalanoglu. Um but as a, in theory, it would be fantastic to watch. In theory, I also think there's something about Mkhitaryan also being that he's not my favorite player to watch. But because of his movements horizontally, which is again why he's not my favorite player to watch, it opens up lanes, right? Because he drags people all over the pitch in the sense that he's just horizontal, um, and his movement is that is that you're constantly confused where he's going to go, and that's going to open passing lanes. And I and I feel like that works perfectly with a player like Barella and Chanelogdu. So it's the fact that they've all got complementary skills that work so well. And again, I didn't think that they were all fantastic against Barcelona. I'm not going to lie. But I do think that obviously it looks really good against Salernitana. But this is why I say to you, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I never want to see Gagliardini like... And, then, and I would want to always go to this solution... But a lot of it has to do with Martinez not scoring and then he's back to scoring. You know, it it, it feels like there's always a point that something's not working. But when when Ma, when Lautaro has that 
confidence about him. I feel like everyone works really well, you know. And Barel is working really well in this setup too. And obviously, you need to make sure that he's at his best because he just changes games on his own, you know. Mm. Um, what What do you think? Would you put Brozovic, Chanoglu, and Barella? Yeah. Yeah, I I do what similar something similar to I, I pretty much given the players you have in Lukaku and Di Marco and Golsens and Dumfries and and also the defenders, De Frey, Skriniar, Bastoni, who aren't exactly sprinters and struggle with lateral movements when they've got space behind them. I play this deep. I I do it like this. I, I play deep too. Yeah, definitely yeah, play deep. Yeah. yeah. And what I do is with with the midfield as well because they because when they're compact, many times I think this season the problem's been that they're not compact enough, that there's mm. acres of space between the defence and midfield and the midfield gets overrun. At least that's how it seems. But when when they're more compact, that doesn't happen. Um, and so I think I like the fact that because what we've seen before is that Brozovic, when, when Brozovic, he's not the best player at Inter, but he's the most fundamentally important. That is until these past few weeks where you've seen that it actually Inter can actually play well and beat teams and 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 beat a Barcelona with Gavi Pedri and Busquets um in midfield and 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 they can do so without Brozovic. Now that doesn't mean that I think Brozovic isn't good enough. There's no doubt that Brozovic should start. But my 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 thing is I would like to see more positional shifts between him and Chalanoglu and maybe even Barella the same way that Conte did with Ericsson and yeah. uh, and 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 Brozovic, yeah, because I think that makes Inter more unpredictable. Yeah, I think it does too. Um, I do feel like you need to be lower, but mm. here's the thing: would you put um, your three-man backline, Skriniar, De Vrij, and Bastoni? Yeah, mm. yeah. And then Di Marco and Dumfries on the on the wings. Well, that's the thing, though. I I wouldn't mind playing, you know, alternating Dumfries, Belanova, because again, Belanova's very quick. And 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 I think Belanova is the kind of player that he can actually do his man. Denzel Dumfries cannot for the for his life. If his life depended on it, he could not dribble past a lamppost. He would. <laughs> yeah, he's an open space guy. <laughs> yeah, he's open space guy. He would just you know triple over. He's triple over his feet. He triple step on the ball. Like it's it's not. He's not a technically gifted player, but he is quick and he's good. And we as we saw against Sassuolo, when he's got space to attack. He'll he'll beat his guy every time because with the ball at his feet he's got good acceleration, and the same thing I think you can say about Robin Gorsens. I mean, if you look at that yeah. goal that he scored, it's fantastic work by Lautaro and and also Andre Onana and the way that he can play a ball similar to how Mike Magnon does and his distribution is excellent. When you have space to attack, that's really important. And I think if you look before that 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 Gorsens goal, just look at the acceleration of Gorsens when Lautaro takes the ball, takes one turn, and cuts in before he makes that pass. That's that's incredible speed, and that is the kind of that's Gorsens at his best when he's faced with players with a, with a, with a, with a, with the defense that defends in low blocks. He's he's pointless. He doesn't offer anything. Then you need to have him at a Atalanta that used to press so high up the Gasperini, Juric kind of high press, high intensity, high up the pitch. But him alone, he's not. He's also not a dribbler. Mm. So so I think it's it's like one thing gives one thing leads to another kind of situation. And and I think also above all, Romelu Lukaku. I mean that game against Barcelona of all the games that he missed. Uh, that is, I think he would have scored at least three, four goals that game. I mean, it's the kind of game that he would have loved. You know, hold up the ball when he's fit. That is, you know, when he when he when he can hold up the ball, he's space to attack, take on the that shambolic defense of Barcelona's for speed and pace and uh, for for pace and power. He would have won that every single time. Um, and with Lautaro's intelligence, as we saw at the Camp Nou. I think Inter would have won that, but I mean, the question there is a question mark. What what Romelu Lukaku are Inter getting? Are they getting the the the, the Chelsea Lukaku and what's being reported in Italian media? Big question marks around his physique and physical status generally. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How do you feel about Lukaku when Pintus is not around? Well, that's exactly it. I I have my doubts. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that Inzaghi made was the decision to take Lukaku instead of Dybala. Because if he wanted to play the kind no, of... No, 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 I would, no. You know? <laughs> no, you're I'll tell crazy. You what, no, no, you know why? Because I think Dybala Lautaro 
playing in in the football that they, that Inzaghi played last season works way better than than Lautaro. I, uh, let, let let the record state. Sorry, let the record state that I completely agree with Mina here. I think <laughs> Dybala is a problem player. Very difficult to fit him in a system. He gets injured all the time. Like, sure, ironically, Lukaku is injured now, but I, 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 so I, I take Lukaku over Dybala. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, like we say, Dybala gets injured all the time, and he's already out. But Lukaku's been out already anyway. I mean, for me, I take Lukaku over Dybala any day. Any day. Any, any day. day. Well, in this system, because he's got a different system. set of skills. I feel like if you're going to have the three Argentines up front, they're all a little bit similar, you know? They all want to be fancy and perfect, but Lukaku offers something different to all three. Firstly, he's the only one that's really physical out of all of them, you know? Sorry, I, I did forget Dzeko in all of this, yeah? yeah? But again, they're all players that are more like like to play off the man. I even think Lautaro is, I mean, he can do everything because he is that yeah. brilliant, you know? Yeah. But he's better playing off the man. And so is Dybala, and so is Correa, and so is Dzeko. So I'm just thinking, who's the man? If they're all playing <laughs> off him, you know? Like, and, and this is where I Well, it's certainly, like... it certainly isn't Joaquin Correa, who, in my opinion, is exactly. not a football player. He's, he's a futsal player, and that's what he should be doing because he's not a football player. He's not a full-pitch football player because no. he... He doesn't know what he's doing. He 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 he's good in small spaces. He's technically very gifted, but he doesn't have the physique. He doesn't have the stamina, and and he likes to make these little, these cutesy little exactly. tiny. Exactly. annoying little, to watch. It's so <laughs> annoying. It drives me mad, and it's it's it, it's just. But I tell you what, what, the move was. Sorry to, to interrupt again, sorry, Neil, but I think no, no, like we I, said before, the the move the move was. To, to take Dybala on instead of Correa, not... Exactly. Not, uh, yeah. You know, like having Lukaku, Dybala and Lautaro would have been amazing. Yeah. But not uh, Lautaro, uh, Dybala and uh, Correa. That, that for me, like like Mina says, is, is, is a bit redundant. You know, it's, it's yeah. just uh, yeah. too much of the same thing. Mm. I, I, I see but what that, you're doing. I don't know if this is true or not, because I find that amazing, because that's what Gazetta reported, you know? And they're holding firm on the fact that Inzaghi was asked about this and he said he really liked Korea. And I, I find it amazing that you would choose to stick with Korea over over the opportunity to get Dybala, right? I, I don't buy that for one second. But this is the thing. I just don't buy it. I don't buy that. They were they they had an I mean it was during the same week when they by mistake published an article that Simone Inzaghi had been sacked and then removed it from the internet when it started going. Uh, when it started getting traction, and he wasn't sacked. I mean, there was a clear agenda on their part that they wanted Inzaghi out when when things weren't working. They didn't believe in him. Um, it was so obvious, and they were they were running it, and they were just basically trying to create this kind of situation. And and luckily for for Inzaghi, he had the players behind him. He had and he had the wisdom to realize that he had to adapt to what he's got and play you know play this more compact deeper inter not have as much ball possession as he as his as his inter did last year but but to be more cynical and more compact and more of a killer killer instinct uh you know that that kind of a cynical inter uh that that conte had maybe but um no i I don't buy that i I can't imagine for the life of me that they go yeah we can get deep and and also i don't think marotta would be dumb enough to even ask that question he'd be yeah i mean it's it's like yeah you get dibala if we get rid of korea i think the question would be posed do you have any objections and i think he would say no not that who do you want korea or dibala and he goes yeah i want korea i mean it just i I can't imagine him saying something like that no I, I have to agree with that. And if, if it, yeah, I don't know if that's, I honestly don't know whether or there are, people always tell me there are agendas here and there. I don't know how much of these things, because I live with conspiracy, like my mother's a conspiracy theorist and I spent my whole <laughs> life like, yeah, where she was determined that COVID had a wider meaning, you know, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man, you know, and um so I, I, I'm trying to like believe in life, you know, so and good things and <laughs> real things. <laughs> oh dear. No. Can but... I just say something? I just saw something that Manchester City have won Club of the Year at the Ballon d'Or. 
Okay. I, I feel like it's pretty rough for Real Madrid, right? Who just won yeah. the title and which and is Champions ridiculous. League. Yeah, they should have won it. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know how, but that that France football award. I mean, I'm sorry. After Lewandowski got screwed and Snyder got screwed and Snyder, Snyder was the one that yeah. really that really hurt. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, before we let you go, then so. What what are your predictions for the Serie A title then? Who, I mean, give, give us your give us your top six because it feels like you still think that you think it's a Napoli Inter title. Race. It should be. It should be. Mm. It it should be. But the only thing that I think is different is that Milan have a lot of heart. I mean, everyone's really mm. attached to the project, but they are very layout centric, and that's the problem, right? Mm. It's it's no layout, no party, and. I mean, I just did you see they're defending against Chelsea like it's the stuff of nightmares, and I and I just I I don't I don't enjoy watching them this season as much as I did last season, and I felt like Kessier was a big not that he had the world's greatest like performances last year, but just having that extra body in midfield that they just don't have right now, and and the, the wide spaces their defense has so there's so much exposure to danger now and then when people ask why is Tomori not performing it's because the guy is like fighting a battle every second you know <laughs> so like there's only so much you can do as a centre-back and and I don't know if they can stay within it I, I think they need to massively like I don't know Kroonich, Pobega I guess shove as many bodies as you can in there but they're not of the level that I think Kessia was right you know Mm. And they've messed up that midfield, I think, balance. So that's why they're defensively exposed. Um, unless they win every duel and play ferociously. That's the only thing that can obviously, they're still a really good team despite that. Because I think their coach is a really great coach. Yeah. Um, even though he needs to learn Europe a little bit better. But um, I yeah. don't know what to expect from Juventus because this. The squad with the additions. Well, I mean, Bremer's out now, so you know, like, I mean, there's there's someone new every day. So I don't know if they can keep the squads healthy, but I really do like Udinese as well. And I don't know if them in Atalanta with no games to play during the week and that one game that they play in Serie A is enough. Whether they're going to mess up enough to be out of the top six. Mm. I I think that Udinese you would expect after the World Cup would might go away. You know. Mm. Just, but that's just us thinking they're not good enough. But uh, uh. well, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Atalanta have got Napoli, Milan, and Inter coming up now, don't they? Um, and and that, that's going to be a tough, you know, set of games for them. Who Atalanta? So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But then you, I think that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they won all of them. You really think so? Yeah, I, I really think that they have this ability to just. I don't know. It's like they pull out performances from their hands. I don't know what happens to them, but they are so well oiled. And I do mm. think they're more sophisticated than we give them credit for. Um, mm. Well, they can definitely be Ju- Juventus. Uh, so I, I don't know about <laughs> the rest of you guys. You're yeah. starting to sound like Carlo now. Literally sounding like Carlo's about Juve. It's like, oh, God. It's just that I just don't get the team. I just don't get why McKenny is always playing. I, I get... I just get <laughs> now you're really sounding like Carlo. Oh, really? Is that, does he, that's I'm like, like, his biggest, that's his biggest, like, um, like triggering factor is Western oh, McKenny. Yeah, Awful he's, thing. He's, he's quite good sometimes. <laughs> he goes, a lot of people hate like, McKenny, and I'm like, no, he's a really good guy. It's just that it's really hard to talk badly about him because he's such a nice guy, you know? Yeah. And he's so important for the dressing room because, you know, he'll like talk about Ron's dressing when everyone's like crying, you know. Um, but I, I dislike Cuadrado as well, to be honest with you. You know, I I much rather have McKenney than Cuadrado, but I'm sure many people would disagree with me. Do you guys like watching Juventus? Come on, none of you do, you know. Uh, no, this Juve is really painful to watch. This is really awful. I mean, it's, it's way it's worse. It's not than... even about Juve. It's just the football is it's so like painful. Pin, to watch. pins in my eyes watching this Juve. Yeah. <laughs> No, it really is. It's painful to watch this. Yeah, really I, I don't. Not. I just don't get Costage. I don't get Paredes. I don't think they're very good. You know, like I just don't get it. You know, Paredes for me is Argentinian Kuzmanovic, completely alibi player. Offers absolutely nothing. Was great at PSG because he was surrounded by a generational genius in Marco. Was Verratti. he great though? Was he just all right? You know. Well, he was all right, exactly. But he, I think I would be all right next to Verratti. I mean, it's. I mean, if you, if you've got I don't someone like Verratti, of that. So. 
I no, I, I think Verratti is just unbelievable. And and, and and for me, Paredes is just, I've never seen the greatness. I didn't see the greatness at Zenit. I didn't see the greatness at Roma. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I think he's just an alibi player. He makes these like stat pad passes. He doesn't Yeah, play. I see that. Yeah, I see what you're trying. Yeah. yeah. I, again, you know, you don't rely on Sandro anymore. You don't, like Cuadrado is just not somebody I enjoy watching because he's just not. Even the quadrado of last season that was already no. annoying me, you know. No, no. And and then you look, I mean, Vlaovic is some guy that points all the time to where he wants the ball delivered. And sometimes you're like, did you just kind of do more, you know? But he is doing more. Recently, I feel like he's been doing more. So I don't want to criticize him. I, I feel like I'm really proud of him for trying. Um, Costage, we've already explained. Paredes, that midfield, unless you're planning on changing it and what, Pogba's going to change it? Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know. Locatelli, Pogba. It Rabiot. should be that. I just don't know how much Allegri trusts Locatelli. I mean, he should trust him the most, you know? Yeah, I find that situation to be baffling. Uh, Allegri, Locatelli situation. But we'll see. So who do you think is... I'm not, you you got to give me an answer. Places one to six. Who do you... Uh, Serie it should be Napoli. That? It should be Napoli. Mm. Inter, Milan. And then who's fourth? Oh... <laughs> <laughs> Juve. <laughs> if it's Roma, I will like I will nah. nah. Like it just nah. can't be. Not with nah, their nah. quality of play. Um nah. not yet anyway. Maybe they'll shock us later. But um I think it's between Atlanta and Juve. And mm. I think it might just be Juve. Mm, I think so as well. That's that's my top four as well. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. And if people want to find you, if you wanna if people want to find you, if you've got something coming up, then the floor is yours. Plug it. No, I will be full full uh, full time with BBC. Um, just a little bit. Just give me some time. <laughs> but I will be back to that usual. The only thing that I'm carrying on with right now is BetUS and Serie A Chronicles podcast. Um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, it's at, at Mina. Mina Rizzi. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Thank- I'm missing something big, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> it can't be that big, right? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Mina it's always a pleasure to have you on thank you guys thanks for having me talk soon take, take care, care. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. bye right um let's uh let's uh, talk a little bit about some Salernitana um it wasn't much to talk about I thought Inter just it was I was I was happy to see Inter take this on like a big big team just win the game no drama nothing much to talk about no no nothing dramatic no 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 nothing pulse raising um, only thing is, I think Lautaro has had a few chances that he missed a little bit, a chance, a few chances that he should have buried. But other than that, I don't really know what to say. So, Mo, if you've got anything to add, then feel free. No, it was pretty much the game that we predicted last week. I just, um, I want to highlight, it's very important to, to get that clean sheet. So that, that was, Absolutely. not only was it a clean sheet, but very little work for Onana in the office that day. Mm. Let's talk about Fiorentina. A Fiorentina who I really, really hope they don't sack Vincenzo Italiano before they play Inter. Um, right now, as we're recording this, it's they're 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 in a one-one draw away against Lecce, um, and I, I I they've looked better than they did a couple of weeks ago. But I I think in terms of attack, Vincenzo Italiano knows what he's doing, but he does not understand how to defend at all. And I think this is that's really important that if Inter with the solidity and the compactness and the deep play. And if Romelu Lukaku can finally become fit, then then I think Inter have got an actual good chance here. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm not confident, but I'm very excited or, or I'm looking forward to seeing how, how Inter take on this, uh, this Fiorentina. What are your thoughts, Jake? Yeah, I agree with large parts of what you're saying. I think with this Fiorentina side, the way they're playing at the moment, they're, they're susceptible to conceding heavily. I think it's very cliche to sort of put it like this, but often scoring an early goal is what helps you take control of matches like this. And I think what really encouraged me from watching the game yesterday is Inter immediately, although Solitaire, our inferior opposition to what Fiorentina will be, despite Fiorentina's form. The way they took the game straight away, I think you can see that these results against Barcelona seem to have lifted into, they made them a little bit more confident again. And I think if they can start that game well, and like you say, having Lukaku back should give them a real boost as well. Just knowing that even if he's on the bench, they can come on and rely on him. 
in, in some ways, I think the World Cup might even come at the wrong time for Inter. I think we could see them start to sort of leave this slump behind. Lukaku coming back to fitness. I really think that this European success of the past week or so will give them a shot in the arm. Looking at the table at the minute, it looks a little bit grim, but I, I think against Fiorentino, they'll, they'll be really up for the game. And I think it really does depend on having Lukaku as an option that could even give them an extra gear, knowing that if they go 1-0 up, and they've got him in reserve to come off the bench because there's, there's so many different ways of playing having Lukaku as an option because he offers so much more off the ball than Eddie Dzeko and more so than Correa at the moment as well too. So it's a really good time to play Fiorentina as well. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, what about a prediction, Jake? Um, uh, give us a prediction then I'm going to go to Mo. Oh, it, it, well, I don't know. Um I fancy a clean sheet, if I'm honest with you. Uh, I think 2-0, a 2-0 win. I, I'm, I'm trying to be really positive, be really confident at the moment after a negative few weeks of bashing until last few times I've been on the pod. So I'm going to try and be really positive. And I think Inter will definitely score more than one goal. And I'd really like to see them keep a clean sheet because I really don't want the manager to start thinking, oh, get Handanovic back in because that's such a backward step. So I'm going to be trying to be positive and be wishful in my thinking and say 2-0 win. I hope you're right. What about you, Mo? I want to hear your thoughts on the game. And do you think Lukaku will be back? And uh, do you think he'll play? I think I think he'll be on the bench, whether he plays or not. Uh, I think, like Jake says, depends on how the game is going. I think if uh, if Inter are in command um, with a two-goal margin, like, as Jake predicted, maybe we'll see Lukaku do a cameo. If Inter are behind or it's uh, a bit tight, maybe Lukaku will come on earlier. Then be asked to sort of uh, walk walk off the rest of the game if he uh, if he does score. So I think we we if if he's fit, we'll definitely see him in some some way or another. Uh, I hope he makes it. I think it's. I mean, he's he's what two weeks overdue now. It was uh, early October that he was meant to be back. I think uh, I just again we don't know what sort of physical condition he's in. Let's hope for the best. Um, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think uh, uh, going to uh, Florence is never easy for Inter, regardless of what the form, whatever form they're in. Um, so I think I think it's going to be tight. I think if anything, we'll definitely not keep a clean sheet. Um, so I think it's a two-one win uh, in the best of circumstances for Inter. Well, that's that's good news, but I want a prediction. I'm not letting you go. Who's going to score and what's it, how's it going to end? Mo. Yeah, 2-1, two, two, like I said, uh, we'll concede. Uh, I, I think Lautaro will score. I think if 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 we do then concede an equalizer, if we score first and then we, we, we score an equal, uh, we concede an equalizer, then we'll need Lukaku to score if he's on the pitch. If not, then have to come from either... Marella or Charanoglu, both of these guys have been on fire recently. It, <clears throat> it, it, I don't remember when the last time both Zeko and Lautaro scored in the same game. Uh, it seems like they kind of alternate. So I think if Lautaro scores, Zeko won't. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I think it's Lautaro and then uh, Lautaro to open the scoring and then uh, Lukaku to score or Lautaro and then either Marella or Charanoglu to score. But it's a, it's a 2-1. My in my uh, my uh, magic eight ball. Oh, I hope it's right. I hope I hope you're right. I want to see. A, I don't care. I, I don't know. I I have this feeling that Inter will win. I think two nil. I think two nil. Lautaro and Hakan Chalanoglu, and that Lukaku will be on the bench. He won't start. He'll come on in the second half towards the end. That's what I think. Right, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the positivity. This week's Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this quality. Uh, yeah, so ironically, last week we spoke about uh, Lautaro being an Apache striker, and uh, I think he deserves to be the Moratti of the week for scoring two very important goals, uh, two beautiful goals for that as well. Um, but also we have to note that, uh, like you said, uh, I think it was you or Nima, or maybe it was Nina, 
he was a bit frustrating, particularly against uh, Salernitana for missing a lot of goals, yeah. missing a lot of chances. But still, I think uh, it's important for him. These two games were very important. Salernitana, less so in terms of uh, the opponent, but equally important in terms of building ahead of steam. Uh, so it was, it was great, and it was a great individual goal. Uh, and then, you know, scoring against Barca at the camp now is, is phenomenal. So I think uh, he deserves to get the first Moratti of the week this season. Love it. Um, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. Jake Smalley. I'm getting a little bit worried about doing these week by week because I'm starting to get a bit of a reputation on this podcast for finding some absolute steals. So I'm trying my absolute best each week to find some fantastic content. And I think this week's uh, one that's sort of definitely quite close to my heart is someone who watches football in England and has to hear on a daily and weekly basis just how much it's better than any other offering of any sort of football in the world. And every now and again, we get something that makes us laugh. So in the Championship Second Division in England this week, uh, we had a match between Birmingham City and Hull City. Uh, just before the game, it was noticed the goalposts were too big. So the game had to be postponed by 20 minutes while the goalposts were literally soared into full shape. <laughs> So okay. you, you're making no, no. There's no way this is true. You have to link me. Like I'm, unless you link me, I'm starting to think you're making shit up now. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> what do you mean? Who had a so what? Had someone? What was what were the what were the posts made out of? Wood or steel and or, or metal? And if so, did someone just happen to have a saw that can cut metal with them? Like what? What? It's almost as if it was. Well, it looks as if it's a steel saw. I'm just looking at it now. <laughs> the match was due to commence at 3pm, but kickoff was put back by 20 minutes after the officials realised that the goals were the incorrect size. After checking them with a tape measure, Birmingham City fan had linked a video where some of the officials were cutting down the wooden metal posts. <laughs> <laughs> so the game was postponed by 20 minutes. This was in the championship? In the championship. So the That's really high up. Yeah, not Sunday League football, the championship. <laughs> Bloody hell. I mean, this is amazing. This is absolutely <laughs> amazing. Wow. Um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I'm def- from now on, because pe- so that people don't think we're just making this shit up, we're, we're adding, I'm, I'm, you need to link me all of these, because I'm, I'm linking them in the articles and, 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 and in the posts, so people go and click on them themselves, so they can see a bit. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> it's like turned into a DIY session. Like a Black and Decker. <laughs> Black and Decker ad. I mean, it's like, <laughs> the goalposts were too big. And they had to cut them short. Bloody hell. That, that's amazing, that is. That is absolutely amazing. That, that is the quintessential frog, um, if I ever saw one. Um, yeah, no, that is, wow, wow. Well done, well well done. But was it was it at St Andrews then? Isn't that what it was? So St Mary's. What's it St. called? Andrews, yeah. St. St Andrews. I've been Andrews. a number of times myself. Yeah, in a rather hairy area of Birmingham, it must be said. So uh, maybe that's why they were good and goal poles. I don't know. But, yeah, <laughs> classic. Right, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Modji, which I'll be presenting myself. So we complain a lot about why Italian football never changes and and or why Italian football is so far behind La Liga and 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 we always come and land in the conclusion that the powers that be don't allow for the cha- the necessary changes to take place and I can't I can't it's it's hard to to move away from that because yes there are many problems in Italian football and and some of them are structural and some of them are you know are down to old stadiums but also i think a biggest fault of it is that there are the wrong people are in charge and no one no one is better embodies this better than the current lega Serie A president cassini um lorenzo cassini cassini who said ah, i would stop saying that we are not at the level of the premier league because i think it depends on the games I don't think a match between the sides in 20th and 17th of the Premier League is better than a Serie A account encounter. 
obviously looking at the results of the European competitions, the Premier League and La Liga have some teams that excel. But if we look at the league overall, perhaps people need to re-evaluate re that judgment. No, people don't need to re-evaluate that judgment. You need to stop being delusional because the Premier League and La Liga ha have TV deals that are worth a, a gajillion times more than your t TV deals are worth, and therefore they can buy better players. They have stadiums that were built this side, this century, um, and and designed for people who live on this side of the millennium, whilst you don't. Your your Italian football does not. You you try to have a anti-racism campaign of of an artist painting everyone as chimps, like stop you know stop 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 this nonsense and, and and pretending that you don't have problems and and the reason why i keep belaboring this point is because unless you admit that there is a problem you can't fix it and people like this 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 is baghdad bob level of delusion um no we don't need to reevaluate our opinions because it's obvious for everyone to see you need to reevaluate your contact with re your your lack of contact with reality it's bizarre and that's why nothing changes in Italian football. And I think it's a shame. I really do, because I do love this league. We all do. And we want it to do well. But people like Lorenzo Cassini, who don't even admit that there's a problem, they are a big part of that problem. Right, let's move on to something much more. Uh, so, sorry, that's all we had time for this week. Um, we'll be back next Monday. Uh, I'd like to thank you, Jake, for coming on. Been been a while. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been a while. I'm really glad to get back. And, and I did want to say as well, it's really brilliant that we're, we're so lucky to have such brilliant guests on this pod. And uh, Mina brings such great enthusiasm. And it's really good to sort of hear her take on things as mm. well. So it's absolutely yeah, excellent. Yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely. And Mina, Mina, Mina Rizuki is brilliant. Uh, good friend of the podcast. Always appreciate that she takes time out to come. Um, so make sure to check her out. I'd like to thank you, Momo, had to run away. Uh, but until next time, take care of each other, yourselves, um, and I'm your host, Imatavali Rutsari, wishing you a good week, uh, three points, and sempre e solo forza. Tutta.